What's up? My name is Luke Humphreys. I am from a bunch of different places, as we just talked about Wichita, Kansas, or Hot Springs, Arkansas, Dallas, Texas. And um, play for Prodigy Disc Golf, also sponsored by OTB Discs and Tree Love Disc Golf. You're listening to the Chain Clankers Podcast with your hosts, Quinn Ferris and Horatio Gonzalez. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you on the show. As a couple of guys who one is in Wichita and the other one frequents Wichita and will be up there soon. Super excited to talk to you, uh, get to sit down and have a big conversation with you. And thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to sit down with you. Yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, super excited to have you on. I think this is going to be a great conversation today. We've got some really fun stuff to talk about today. So if you're excited for this interview with Luke, you've definitely seen him before. If you're into disc golf and you've been watching GK Pro, they put out some incredible content. We'll we'll definitely talk about that here today. Hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe down below. Um, And let's get into this, Luke, man. Where does disc golf begin for you? When did you first get into disc golf? Man, I, somebody, my friend Trey Thompson, put a disc in my hand in Wichita, Kansas at Oak Park for the first time in like 2013 is probably um, when it first happened. And I was a ball golfer big time at that point. So I knew about golf, but this was like a different kind of golf for me. Cool. And then where, where did that evolve to you? I mean, definitely the scene has changed from then to now. But what was that like? Take, what did the disc golf scene look back in the day, 2013? 2013 Wichita Kansas was very relaxed there was three courses in town uh, Oak Park Herman and then uh, that derby course Stone Creek or whatever it was so we didn't have a ton of choices there wasn't a lot of competition or minis we call them um, league rounds or whatever and that's completely changed I mean I go back to Wichita nowadays and it's so involved so many people in the community it seems like there's a course going in like every two months in the wichita area it's really incredible it's come a long way from when i first started it's very recreational as as i began which is really cool to see and hopefully we can see this jump in other areas as well i mean andover's getting a course designed by eric mccabe um so super excited for that we've already spoken to logan harpool and nolan ramser and some other guys from the area so that's really cool so yeah seeing wichita just absolutely blow up as a disc golf destination i think and will continue to blow up as a disc golf destination i think we're going to continue to see great talent coming out of there oak finally got some signs going up so that's awesome to see and yeah they're it's a great spot to be and i'm excited to be there for sure um but Luke, something I kind of want to explore here for a quick second. You said you were a big time ball golfer before you yeah. got into disc golf. What for, how, first off, how'd you get into ball golf? And then outside of, you know, your buddies kind of putting in, uh, you know, a disc in your hand, what, what kind of made you switch over to disc golf? And I imagine you still are out there on the ball golf course today. Yeah, definitely am. I, um, figured ball golf out post getting kicked out of K state the second time. Um, this would have been like 2008 or so. I left K-State in Manhattan and came to Hot Springs, Arkansas, where I started playing a bunch of golf. I had figured out at that point that it was like the hardest sport. Like I played them all in high school or below. You know, I quit baseball early on. Felt like that one was definitely not hard. There was no physical talent really required other than like getting lucky 33% of the time and poking it somewhere out in the field. No offense to anybody who really loves baseball. That's just my take on it. 
I just, I felt like golf was the hardest without a doubt. Like if you shot par, you were 1% or better of the people that ever played. So just like, I don't know, a knack for trying to accomplish things and like really get in depth with sports got me into golf. And then it was really Hogan, my dog that got me into disc golf right around the time that I went from hot springs back to Wichita to attend WSU where I eventually got my degree. I got the dog along the way and I couldn't like go hit balls for a couple hours and play 18 holes with the dog at the house. It just like weighed on my conscience. So birdies are birdies. And now I can take Hogan on the course and eventually this is where I got him. Yeah, I love seeing Hogan on those uh, those skin matches you guys do. You pretty much have him trained to where he'll go retrieve your disc, don't you? Man, that came out of the blue, honestly. He was six years old the first time that he went into the water and retrieved the disc. I, I swear, it's just like randomly one day he decided he knew what he was doing. See, that's pretty clutch. Now, I made the mistake. We, uh, My girlfriend and I, we recently got a dog. Uh, and the first mistake we did was we went and took her out to one of the baseball fields and, you know, threw like a uh, an ultra star, I think, for her to just, you know, run around and catch and stuff. And then we tried to take her back out to the course. And after that, she's just like, oh, I, I got to go get this disc. Um, yeah. So anyone, maybe, maybe this can't apply to me because I'm too late, but anyone who's getting a new dog, do you have any tips for maybe their dog not going out? out and get, taking the discs or eating them or tearing them up when you bring them out to the course with you yeah so he was six the first time he did it probably because i just like i killed him of the the habit of it early on i said no frisbees whatsoever like these aren't yours these are ours lots of them are really valuable especially like my friend's old ce plastic and stuff like can't have a dog biting that at all so we just said no plastic at all to begin with. And he played with balls or whatever it was. I'd say just like separate the two and eventually possibly bring it back in later on is the best bet. But he's got to know that these are ours and he's got other toys. I'm not like a cool. Yeah. I'm not a great <laughs> by any means. I think I can agree. So take that for whatever it's worth. So, yeah, now it's you and Hogan on the road, but let's go back a little bit. You know, how did you end up there? How did you go from just playing out in Oak, you know, 2013 to where you are now? What does that journey look like for you? It includes a move, a really crucial move, I think, down to Dallas, where the competition and the level of play was just like next level. I had never seen the leagues really like they did them in Dallas every day of the week. It's just a really serious place when it comes to disc golf, and you see a lot of talent come out of there because of it. So I'd say the move, um, and then, you know, I, I'd always tried to master something. It was ball golf for a long time, and it became disc golf, I think, at that point there in Dallas, and I, I played a lot. I was in outside sales for a long time, so I could kind of maneuver my way around the work day and get in 18 holes if I needed to or whatever. It was pretty flexible, so just started spending a ton of time doing that, Eventually, I, I kind of rose the ranks of the amateur status, and uh, a few of my friends were like, why are you even doing this? You know, I'd been doing it for ball golf reasons. You don't go pro in ball golf unless you're filthy. Yeah. You know, you you got to be so filthy to go pro in ball golf, and that's the world I came from. So I was just like, you know, I'm not going to go pro in disc golf. I mean, this isn't going to be my job. I don't need to take any cash. It's like a couple hundred bucks at this point anyway, so – um, I just kept my AM status and eventually they were like, go play worlds. I, you know, after worlds, I was like, dang, I guess I should maybe try this a little bit. Like that worked out better than I thought. And then pro discus hit me up and 
I drove that bus around in 2019 and uh, that led to Prodigy and now we're here. Nice. That's awesome. Was there, uh, I guess you were kind of saying your buddies, but was there any like maybe pros along the way that kind of, kind of, I don't know, maybe gave you some advice as you were kind of come up, coming up through the AM side of things that kind of helped yeah. you maybe progress or just get better? Yeah, dude, for sure. Like so many people that were crucial in, in the way that I was molded and, and became what I became. I think that without a doubt, I'm not who I am without friends like Nate Perkins, um, James Conrad, people early on who, you know, they, they didn't look at me as just like some am or some new guy. They looked at me as a buddy and some competition and whatever else. And, and Perkins for sure, like the big guy who kind of just like walked me through some of the, the first initial steps of becoming a pro and just like building a contract and talking to sponsors and talking to manufacturers. And that's all kind of foreign and it's kind of particular for disc golf. Like there's not a ton of other industries that act like disc golf acts. So I got to see it firsthand with Nate Perkins, watched him negotiate a contract with disc mania, his second or third year there. And then like did the same thing myself a, a couple months later. So it was fresh in my mind and he was able to be there with me, living with me at the time him and Alyssa were. So just, I mean, I was, you know, they say like we're products of our environment. Like Bill Gates was lucky enough to live by the university of Washington. He walked there at night and do his programming when he was like 15, 16 years old. Like we're all, you know, products of lucky breaks that we get. And I was able to be in Dallas at the right time with Emerson Keith, Nate Perkins, Bradley Williams, Miles Seaborn. There's a bunch of really good golf in that area. And I got to see it firsthand and, and kind of elevate my game to a faster whatever than I could have been. Yeah. So you were at one point you were, you know, I'm not going to go pro in the sport. And then eventually you did and, went to doing it full time at what point or what, you know, was your mindset where you decided like, I'm going to take this on as my career. Or I'm going to take this path. It's still kind of happening. And it's kind of, even I to this day am shocked by what has happened and, and where this has evolved to. And I never at the beginning thought it was going to be like this. I, I really didn't. <laughs> but what was the question? I feel like I got through. I guess just, I was just where, when did you decide that this was going to, I mean, you said you were doing sales, you were working down in Dallas, I'm guessing. Yeah. At what point did you decide I'm going to leave this behind? I want to pursue this. And when I, I think I got the opportunity from pro discus originally, I was like, dude, if I don't just like take one year right now and just go tour the States and play a little golf, I will regret this forever. So when, when I was offered a bus and, um, some gas and, you know, a way to get around at the end of the day to make it feasible. Um, that became uh, probably the moment there. And and then after that, winning Rookie of the Year, winning an A-tier to finish 2019 like I did, I mean, it was kind of like a Cinderella finish for the yeah. tumultuous season that I had encountered. So that was kind of like a positive finish that like put a smile back on my face and like made me think maybe we could do this again. And each year that goes by, I mean, I've seen it and I've heard the pros talk about it. I'm Paul Macbeth and Ricky Wysocki have been touring for years and their early years weren't top tens every year or top tens every tournament. Like if, if you look at what they did, they started out at the bottom, built confidence, built game, 
and you know those things you build more confidence build more game and now they are who they are but you got to grind through a couple years of mediocrity and 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 really just wondering if it's the the thing for you I suppose some people know it like I feel like Ezra I mean I watched him on your guys's show just a, a little bit ago that dude seems like he's built for this like uh, you know it, it's not as easy for me I don't feel like all right it looks like Noah's pulling in <laughs> my driveway is really long so he's he's coming down a long way it's Noah Mitesma yeah, so something that uh, we're actually going to have a little guest star in this show also, potentially. So uh, if you're listening right now, definitely don't click away. Stay tuned. Uh, we, we're going to have some fun here in a sec as well. Um, but something I do want to talk about here real quick, Luke, is going from where you were to then getting sponsored by Prodigy Discs. You know, you talked a little bit about how Nate Perkins was dealing with his deal with Discmania. How, and this is also something that's interesting to me is that disc golf is one of the major sports that really keeps a very, very low key profile about players' contracts. And, and when I mean that, I mean like we all know Patrick Mahomes has a $13 billion contract 15 years from the Chiefs. You, you don't see that so much from the disc golfers. So like, uh, maybe talk a little bit more about how he kind of helped you get that deal with Prodigy and how, how did those conversations even start with Prodigy on, on even thinking about being sponsored and then finally securing the bag? Yeah. After the pro discus year, I, I had some clout, I guess you could say I wasn't just like a nobody at that point. I'd won the rookie. So I had a little bit of bartering. <laughs> yeah. With, with the pro discus, clout that I had built up I was able to contact a bunch of manufacturers at that point I didn't you know I didn't just say prodigy or um, you know I talked to everybody at the end of the day and, and I'd say that's some advice I'd pass along to young people coming up don't get so married to one manufacturer at the end of the day if you really want to be a part of this game you got to be a little flexible with the the way the you know the way you go, the route that you take. If, if it's really something that you want to do in the long run, each step that you take is a positive step. So with that in mind, talk to a bunch of people and, and Nate Perkins probably opened my eyes to how many different ways you can um, put perks into your contract. I mean, there's uh, social media bonuses that you can get, obviously a bonus schedule for your finishes, but there's a bunch of different ways that you can make profit for you and the company who's, supporting you you know you can do it as a team and it's not just like we're gonna make 500 discs with your name on it and that's what you get like it used yeah. to be you, you can get creative with it and the manufacturers are interested in that as well so i think that's the number one thing he kind of came in and, and pushed around a little bit and got me a better deal and you know, i think it was better for everybody in the all parties included and is that something every time you know you go back to renewing your contract or something like that you go back and try to see how you can improve on that or what things maybe you can add in yeah and you look at other people and and you kind of see market value and you know i know that people aren't going to publish what they're making but we do talk no. to each other we are aware of you know what a, a guy like us me matt bell Noah Meitzma, whoever it may be what they're worth and, and what the market value there is that's good. And hopefully we continue to see the market value go up. Um, I, like we said this on last episode as well, you know, unfortunately COVID did a lot of bad in the world, but for disc golf, it, it, it did a lot of good. A lot more people have their eyes on disc golf. A lot more plastic is being sold. And uh, where I'm at, I cannot find literally any prodigy 
anywhere. Hopefully somebody can be getting Prodigy because I literally cannot find Prodigy anywhere right now. So that is definitely flying off the shelf. So I want to get my hands on some and be able to throw that plastic, but I, I literally can't get it anywhere. So that's really good to see that this plastic is flying off the shelf right now. Um, do you have any, do you, I mean, I guess let's elaborate here on that just for a quick second. Do you think that, um, with more eyes going on disc golf so that we could potentially be seeing bigger contracts for guys like yourself and other guys um, in the disc golf world? A hundred percent contracts are only going up from here. Back in the day when Tiger Woods started getting paid, everybody else started getting paid and whether you liked him and, and you stood for what he was bringing to the game, it didn't matter at that point. I mean, the, I think we're past the point of no return. People are going to start getting paid in this. ESPN's into this. You know, we've got Bushnell into this. We've got big companies yeah. who are into disc golf, and that's not going away. I, you can watch coverage of Pepsi and Pizza Hut and everybody else being down in the 80s and the 90s. And that stuff's on YouTube. You can see it. They were down. We did have them in disc golf, and we lost it. And I just uh, I don't see that happening again. Yeah, we even saw some stuff with, like, Arby's this year. And I think that's very uh, smart of them, you know, trying to dip their toes in it to see what the return on that is. But definitely, yeah. especially with some of these big tournaments like Haley King, you know, at 20 years old, winning a huge tournament like that, taking that cash, huge 20K, I think that brings a lot of eyes to the sports. And not only people want to see it, but people want to definitely be a part of it. Yeah, totally. Lee Hogan is uh... – Pumped about Noah being here. Oh, yeah. We love yeah, the dogs. Nice. It's probably better to let him out, too. He, he's got this weird thing. Like, he recognizes people and gives each person a different greeting, like, based on how well he knows them. And he loves Noah. He's about to wolf it up for Noah. Kevin Jones, Paige Pierce, James Conrad, probably get the three biggest, other than my parents, dude. Loves my dad. Loses his mind. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome to see. That that's really good. See, uh, my dog right now is torn between either she's very excited to see you or she's gonna bark and just absolutely lose it at you. There's absolutely no in between. Um, nice. and I swear she's figured out what Horatio drives because the last time he pulled in, she was right there at the door as soon as you got out and uh was out there meeting you. That's the thing. Dogs that car sound and roll out go ahead Horatio oh I was gonna say that's crazy because I have like a hybrid so like it doesn't really make a sound but, so. <laughs> yeah obviously I could hear for sure awesome. yeah so How, it, or, yeah go ahead my bad Horatio go ahead well no I was just gonna say talking about Hogan again a little bit of talking about uh just living on the road and you know van life how I guess how does Hogan do on the road or just how overall that is like yeah man he's he's pumped to have his friends everywhere that he goes but he hates to travel he's not a van person um he stands there next to me actually in the van the entire time he's just like right here next to me and uh doesn't sleep hates the travel and we do like 10 hour stretches and he's not sleeping either like he's having a bad time but once we get there and i open up the van door and he sees all the friends that he just left he's totally cool including this guy right here <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Second, bro. Bushnell hat on. Say what's up. What up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He literally just finished up like 14 hours. 14-hour drive from north of Minneapolis to Hot Springs, Arkansas. 
30 minutes north of BRP. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To come down to your tournament? Uh, yes, he is. Yeah. He and Emerson, is this better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) I do it halfway, but like maybe that's good. Um, maybe we can get no, and then anyway, want to sit down? Make sure you drink. All right. <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, head over right now. You'll you'll see what's going on right now. Um, YouTube.com backslash chain clankers. What's up, Noah? How are we doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. Glad good. to glad to have you here. Guest star. Noah is yeah. here. Um, excited to play in that tournament. I hear I hear it's gonna be cold though. Dude. Oh dude, it's gonna be warm compared to Minnesota. It's yeah. like negative thirty there right now. Yeah. Golly. He's been I just warmed up seventy degrees today in the drive. With the wind chill. What? Crazy. It's insane that's possible, but you basically drove 14 hours straight south. Yeah. 35 dub. 70 degree change in one day. Yeah. So it could could be worse, Quentin. Worse than that's true. That's true. That's true. I was complaining earlier that it's going to be like (laughs) one degree here on Sunday in uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, and that it's just been like the high of 15 for like the last couple weeks. But uh, that's true. It could be it could be negative 30 all the time. I I would absolutely hate uh, to have to live in that. I I couldn't do it. So all all the power to you, my man. (laughs) These crazy people play minis in it too. Dude, yeah, the ice bowl every year. The coldest ice bowl I played was negative 60 wind chill, and it's just a fundraiser for the food shelf, but it's nuts. It's just like trying to find shelter from the wind and don't even care about your Frisbees, how to fly. <laughs> I can't uh, believe is that, it. Is that even <laughs> fun? Are you even having a good time? Like, are you just out there just – Just mostly just to hang out and see my buddies that I never get to see in the winter and stuff, and it's like it's for charity and things. But the golf itself, you know, you, you don't get to feel your fingers if you don't have mittens and 10 hand warmers <laughs> in there. So there's no point, really. And then you got to, like, put strings on your discs because of the yeah. snow. Yeah, actually, if you use, like, powder, like, chalk, colored chalk that's crushed up and put it on your disc, then the, the ribbon makes it very understable. Okay. So then the chalk, you'll, like, see go into the snow very clearly, like a pink chalk line, like, where the disc oh. went. <laughs> that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, because the ribbon is way too understable. Your disc is like putting a light on it. It's like addicts yeah. think of, like, the best ideas, and these are disc golf addicts in the freezing cold making it happen. Not losing the favorite plastic. Yeah, that's right. That's definitely something I've been uh, terrified about doing when going out and playing in the snow is losing something that I I, I really don't want to lose. So that that's really cool. That's a, that's a really good tip. Um, yeah, so yeah. that's cool. Let's let's talk here real quick. I know a lot of the folk on Instagram want to talk about this, Luke. Let's talk about your involvement in GK Pro and just yeah. first off, how the heck did do you did you get involved in that? Where where is that origin story come from? man arkansas opening up disc golf before anybody else is basically what i attribute all of this success in our relationship to is um arkansas deciding along with like alaska and maybe one other state that they were going to open up nobody else down so i knew a private course owner i knew a couple guys at gk pro i knew they were tulsa guys so they were pretty close to greenbrier arkansas where this private course is persimmon ridge the one that we're going to play um this weekend and um, it, it kind of just all fell in my lap, dude. We were so bored. I mean, you remember COVID? There was not a single thing on YouTube except for Simon Vlogs and whatever else. Yeah. Like people, people looking for tournament coverage. It was Sahara Desert of, of YouTube. So we knew we could bring him some coverage. I, uh, I sat down and called like I don't, 100 disc golf companies, I think, wow. or something like that, and, right. uh, and, and got 18 different – sponsors and then otb you know 
huge shout out to OTB for what they did last year and what they're continuing to do this year for GK. And then personally for me, it's been really awesome to watch their support in disc golf, but they took on the challenge as well with us. And, and it just like organically was created skins skins became a thing because people were down. Yeah, that's definitely besides like Joe mess. That's the other thing. Other channel, I guess I watch a lot of is those GK skins matches for sure. Do you guys have a lot of those planned for this coming year? We do. Um, we're going to hit all the big ones like we did last year, starting off hot in Vegas. We've got Nate Sexton, Kevin Jones, Calvin Heinberg, and Ricky Wysocki right off the bat. Yeah. And we're going to have a little fan vote. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We didn't have Sexton on last year, so looking forward yeah. to checking off the list. And, and we're going to figure out some sort of like a playoff system or something for skins. We want there to be like an accrual of points to a degree so that um, we can do like an end of the year whatever it is, but we're still figuring out details on, on that stuff. Yeah, that, that's actually really cool. And, uh, I mean, hell, we had the greatest shot of 2020, in my opinion, last year on those skins matches when Kevin Jones hit that 530-foot just straight, narrow ace falling down, looking like he tore his ACL or something like that. Luke, I know you saw that in person. Just describe that shot from your eyes. Dude, I mean – what happened then and there, I can barely remember. You know, it was just like flashes and, and bits and whatever else. I remember Kev blew his knee out. And then it just stayed in the air. Yeah. It just never came down. Like, people who've thrown that hole, I mean, Starly. you can't get a, a disc to the basket with with chain height. It's just like, it's basically impossible. I've never seen it. Yeah. It'd probably be a long time before we see anything like that again, at least like on purpose. Dude, you know, yeah. That, that will not again. I, I'll say it. I'll say it right now confidently. There will never be another ace on that hole. Put that in the record books, folks. Write that down Dude, in your little journals. I got, I got my little journal right here for these episodes. I'm going to write it down here in a sec. But uh, write that down. Never again are we going to see an ace on that hole. And, I mean, you very might as well be right because that literally was an impossible shot. I imagine if Kevin tried to do that, it probably couldn't do that. Um, it was a freak nature event. But, yeah, that was really cool. Love watching those GK Pro videos, man. Those guys are really cool. Um, yeah. Really, uh, one of my favorite ones that I watched was the – I want to say it was the Oklahoma Open – um, the one that Logan Harpool won a couple yeah. months ago, something like that. That was yeah, really good. Yeah. Months ago. yeah. Yeah. Those were some he's, really good. He's a fantastic talent, man. Coming out of Wichita, like you were saying earlier, him and Nolan, there's a bunch of gamers in Wichita. And if there's, you know, if, if you get gamers like that in a city, it just creates other gamers. Yeah. Little, little kids see it up and close and personal and they watch Logan throw that forehand. And then all of a sudden they want that forehand. Nolan's backhand. Just like, no, I mean, this this kid's still young, and he's blowing up in Minnesota, and a bunch of people, I'm sure, watching him, trying to become what Noah's got. We'll have to we'll have to do our own uh, episode with Noah, if you're, on, if yeah. you're up for it, man. Sounds awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you on. Um, real quick, you're with though, DGA, right? You. Um, yes, I did just sign a two-year contract with DGA in the offseason. Yeah, so I'm pretty stoked. I'm probably going to try to film it in the bag here in the next, like, three days while I'm downtown here before my first sanctioned event on Saturday, which I think might be filmed. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So, Dude, it's going to be so cold. GK doesn't know if the cameras work. It's that oh, cool. No. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
Hopefully we can bring some coverage to you, though. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully you guys can. We'd love to watch it if it does come out. Um, and yeah, super stoked to hear about that contract extension. One thing I did want to ask you, Noah, while we have you right now, um, has there been, I asked Luke this question earlier, has, has there been anyone in Minnesota that has kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say showed you the ropes, but has kind of like helped you along in your journey, kind of getting to you to the point where you're at right now? Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> when I first started playing, I like just Googled online for disc golf tournaments. And within like probably three or four months, I was at the Airborne Disc Golf Store. Kale LaVisca's old, like he had a brick and mortar location where they did putting tournaments, like little nightly things and just disc sales. Kale was always there chilling. And so that was just a great place to learn originally. And then after, you know, two or three years of playing there starting, I started playing open tournaments locally with him and then even on tour. So I've, I've actually spent a lot of time with Kale and also one of my old friends, Alex Geisinger, who doesn't really play much anymore. I used to travel with him like every weekend to a random C tier or doubles event with Terry Roethlisberger as well. He's one of my original friends from that area. Terry. So those, those crew of guys is the ones that really got me into playing. Um, Danny Polk is one of the, like Minnesota's best old school players that's just been around forever. Yeah, he's I forgot so good. he's from up there. Yeah, yeah. He gets better as he gets older. Like he's just, yeah. he's a crazy like human being. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> he's like nice, tall and lanky. Super I mean, athletic. Dude, the guys he just listed right there, that's that's a sick set of people to learn from and to see up close. I mean, Kale's the smooth master. Geisinger, they say, throws further forehand, backhand than anybody, and that's coming from Eagle. That's for sure. It, he throws farther than anyone I've ever seen. I played a match against him like four or five years ago. It was match play, and this hole's 550 left to right, and he throws a hyzer forehand and parks it. So then I pitched up and threw like a par four and played it. And then he spit out for his deuce and we ended up tying. <laughs> and then he was so upset that we ended up tying like the rest of the holes. But it was just, it's crazy to watch him throw shots like that. No yeah. one else can do it. Yeah. He's huge. I, I know a lot of local guys here. I mean, they look up to like you were talking about, like Logan, knowing those guys and yourself. I'm yeah. sure when you were younger, those, those pros, those veterans, you wanted to learn from them. I guess some tips that you, you know, did you just run up to them and say, hey, I want to play with you? Or like, hey, what are you doing? Or like, I want to get better. How did you approach them? Um, for me, it was a lot of like going to the course and seeing like that they were already there playing and then just not being afraid to step up and like, but not in like a weird way. You still have to have like the golf etiquette, but show that you're interested in learning on what they're doing. And if they're cool people, they're definitely down to teach you and hang out. So yeah. it just a little goes a long way in reaching out to a local pro. Yeah, it does. And if you can tell that they're willing to put the work in and they're not just like, going to ask you something and then go off and fart around like if they actually care about it and they're, and they're really sincerely asking you a question to get better we're, we're definitely happy to help for sure do you guys ever have that happen to you out on the course oh yeah all the time doesn't stop doesn't stop especially in like local midwest things but yeah it's cool though it's that's the position that you know we put ourselves in it's the one we wanted at the end of the day you know we love people we love the game love watching it grow nice that's awesome that, that's really good to hear and uh, i imagine another another good spot for that would be potentially league night i imagine both of you guys partake in a good amount of league nights potentially um has that ever been a big influence in you when you guys were kind of coming up through the ranks it was big time yeah definitely i used to play leagues like every league night i would be out of league playing somewhere trying to get better playing with locals yeah from the land of the two best leagues ever period like the dfw metro and the twin cities metro are like in their own upper echelon i'd say with the way that they do their leagues and their putt nights and you know there's a handful of 
um, breweries in both places that support putt nights and whatever else. It's just like, yeah, true. They go hard. And he's got Blue Ribbon Pines who they build up like $5,000 ace pots. <laughs> yeah, they actually, um, Blue Ribbon Pines, Kayla Visca's League too at the Preserve, as well as Kaposia League. There was three different leagues that had over $2,000 ace when I was home. Like, which is just crazy. You can go get a hole in one for over $2,000, three different places, like three times a week. Yeah. Sick. Is it, is it a lot of times the same guy saying aces? I know around here that's kind of the trend. <laughs> um, kind of, but the thing is it's only like two holes that you have to film. So like that, I feel like Minnesota kind of started the bonus ace culture, yeah. which is like putting an extra five bucks for only like a couple specific holes. You had to film them to get the ace. Yeah. Five. So like yeah, that yeah. really has really, like every league in Minnesota now will kind of do something similar to that mm. just to collect. Cause someone be like, Oh, it's hundred bucks. If you win, but if you get an ace, you get like two to three grand, yeah. you get way more people coming to compete. Yeah. Spending money at your course. And then it's videotaped. So then that goes viral. The videotape of dude hitting for five grand and then more people come and then the, it gets bigger, faster. And it's a snowball. I think we just hacked Have you our hit way into figuring that out, growing the sport. Yeah. Right. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, well, shout out to Ray Jordan. He's a legend. He is. <laughs> Shouts out. He's the owner of Blue Ribbon Pines. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Horatio, um, I think we might be ready for the ace round if you're ready for it. You got anything else yeah, you want to get in before good. we get to it? No, I think I'm good. Cool. Let's get into it, guys. So uh, the ace round is the same five questions that we like to ask all of our pros that come on and just kind of be able to see how their answers differ. I think we're going to get some really interesting answers here on this one. So let's start with our first question here on the list. You're taking a buddy to go buy their first set of discs. What is the number one putter, the number one mid, and the number one driver you would tell them to get when they're just starting out playing? No. Well, you got to go with your beaded steadies in the stone plastic, of course. (laughs) Straight fire. They're, I just switched to them, and I've just had so I've never had a putter with so much glide, but also has that consistent loft. I can see why Matt Bell is just smashing with it and won the putting finals online. Yeah. It's just such a good putter. And then the Rift, the DJ Rift, I've never thrown a disc like that either. It's like a glidey buzz. It's like a beat-in buzz right away, and it's just been phenomenal. I can throw it 400 feet, like brand new out of the box, which <laughs> I've never had a mid be able to do that before. And then the, the Bonsai. The Bonsai is like a kind of like a faster T-Bird in between the T-Bird Thunderbird <laughs> but I've been throwing a lot and that's definitely my favorite go-to DGA driver right now. There you go. I've seen Matt Bell throw some of those and yeah, I think they're solid discs for sure. But if I was going to say what you should buy, go with a P-Model S for sure. It's one of the most neutral, just beginner-friendly putters out there from the Prodigy Ace line lineup. And then I'd go with uh, an M2, my favorite of the mid-ranges. It's very similar to a Buzz or a Rock. It's just a good straight um, trustworthy mid-range and then probably a fairway driver as well f5 i'd say you know get a lot of glide out of it good for any arm speed that's where i'd go cool awesome all right next question here your favorite course you have played and the number one on your bucket list to play hmm. i'd say that the beast in finland is the my favorite course that i played um luckily I did put one good round on it last year, two years ago when I was playing the European Open, um, or else it probably wouldn't be. And the course I haven't played yet, probably um, – well, I've never been out there and uh, and played – I don't even know. You don't know what you don't you haven't played. Yeah. What about you? I mean, for me, my bucket list would definitely be the beast. I missed out on my first time going last year with COVID – 
So I'm pretty bummed about I didn't get a play. Hopefully this year goes through. So it's definitely the highest up on mine. And then probably my favorite course in the States would be either Masters Cup courses, De La Viega, or the Beaver State courses because they're just – those that West Coast golf is where it all started. And those are, in my opinion, so the best in the area, in the U.S. Yeah. That I've played personally. Concur. Nice. Awesome. Our third question here we got for you. What is the number one tip you would give yourself if you could go back to when you first started taking disc golf seriously? What would that number one tip that you would tell yourself be? Oof, probably save all my discs that I ended up just like going to the park and losing around. And like, especially when I started, I had like all the good early, like inked up in a plastic that had no embossments or anything. And I just really wish I kept all that stuff for sure. But that's a lot of disc golfers and CE days and things. That's a funny one. Mm, that's a good <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> just keep all the old goodies. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. pay for your kids college with some of that stuff. I'd say um, start throwing forehand and backhand from like a hundred feet and in just like get that dialed both ways don't even mess around with trying to trying to get super good at one to make up for the other just do it forehand backhand that's how the game's played if it's left to right it's a forehand it's right to left it's backhand just and that's righty obviously different if it's lefty but that's how our game's played you shouldn't have a weakness you shouldn't have a dominance you should see the hole and play whatever line is appropriate Cool. All right. Question number four, your favorite memory playing disc golf? Oof, that's a hard one. So many memories. <laughs> um, Do you got one of those fat aces at Blue Ribbon? Yeah, it was like 1,100 or so. That's pretty good. Four figures. That's a good <laughs> day. That's a good throw. Yeah, yeah. just a casual four-figure <laughs> ace. No big I deal. Know. They give out like $5,000 <laughs> ace spots, so that's why it's so modest. About yeah. his. The biggest one was like eight, I yeah. think. Yeah, Luke, I mean, one of my favorite memories actually was with a, a tournament when I first met Luke at at the Veterans Park Open in like 2016 yeah. or so. Yeah, uh, it was like 35 mile an hour winds like the whole weekend, just stupid, crazy windy. Yeah. And I ended up getting a hole in one with my Firebird on a 430 foot hole and a par three, which was just crazy. No one aced the whole weekend. I got like a $500 yeah. ace pot, <laughs> He's one of my first eight years out of state. Like, I, it was just such a good weekend. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Drained a, like a 70-footer to finish up the hill, <laughs> yeah. a nasty putt to beat. I think it was Freeman. You and me and Joel, Joel, Joel Freeman, Freeman back in the day. And like, yeah. yeah, it was. That was good. It was a sweet card. Yeah, it was. Man, I don't know, probably um, that first round at Am Worlds, um, we knew it was going to rain. We woke up that morning. It was just dumping. It had, it had rained three inches probably overnight. And um, I just went out there in my swimsuit. And my water waterproof shoes, or not waterproof, but like the ones you wear in the water. Yeah. Like ready for it. No uh no towel, no umbrella. And I think I shot like fourteen under or something like that, ten sixty. <laughs> just it's absolutely just like, embraced <laughs> it. Yeah. I'd watched Coda Hatfield do it like a year before and just a pouring rain, just nasty. He just didn't get didn't get, you know, upset about anything. Out there looking like uh Calvin, I want to say he was maybe Calvin on yeah. hole 14 at the USDGC where it's just look, monsoon season and this man doesn't yeah. even know it's raining outside yeah. right now and just absolutely ripped it. That, that That's a funny sight to see right there. All right, guys, our last question we got for you today is what is the number one mistake you see new players making? Trying to throw those beefy drivers that, you know, whatever, if the destroyer, the nuke, or the – you know, hurricane D 
D1. Like, stop trying to throw that stuff right off the bat. It's not good for your game. It's, it's going to make you end up throwing these crazy annies, which will keep your distance from ever becoming what it could be. Because a, a good distance shot isn't like a crazy annie to begin with, unless it's 70 feet high. We're not talking about Simon Lazat distance. We're talking about usable distance, like golf distance. Golf distance. Get yourself a mid-range and understable fairway. Like, start there. Start with the, the angles. Watch a bunch of Bradley Williams. That's what I say. <laughs> Solid choice. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, kind of tough. I guess I would say like sticking to a game plan for an AM would be like a really big thing. Because I remember when I was hmm. first switching to open, I would be like so hesitant about like, oh, man, I want to run all these putts. Like I know I'm a good putter. I'm going to run 50-footers and all this. And I look back at my round. It's like if I laid up like most of those putts and ran like one that I was really confident in, and then I also stayed in bounds with throwing slower discs, It'd be so easy to shoot like a thousand, like that's scratch mm. golf. Mm. It's just when you go for that 1030 round or t- to 1050, when you have to make those putts that you just, that's when you really mess up and go to those 960, 980 rated rounds. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Stick to your game plan. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's definitely something we've kind of sort of talked about that on some other shows as well about, you know, deciding to run everything or lay it up. So that's definitely something that was a really interesting note right there. Noah, Luke, Noah, Highly appreciate you guys coming on. Little impromptu and Noah jumping in, but really yeah. loved it. Um, where can the guys follow you at on social media, YouTube, and uh, any sponsors you guys want to thank before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I, um, I right now I'm just running my Instagram page, which I'm kind of bad at, but I'm starting to slowly put more content on there. Yeah. So, but um, it's just Noah Meitzma. You can follow me on there. And um, yeah, I want to thank my sponsors: DGA Northern Lights Disc Golf. Backstage Organics as well. Some really good quality organic food out of San Francisco, California. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I think it's LukeHumphreys.dg. That's also like everything else. Luke Humphreys on YouTube. Go there. Shout out to Prodigy Discs, OTB Discs, Tree Love. Um, good looking out, fellas. Cool, man. Thank you guys so much. Have fun at your tournament. You know, stay warm. And seriously, okay. no, we'd love to have you on. You'll have your own, your own, uh, hear about your story. See, uh, see what you're about. Let people know about you. But thank you guys. Thank you. Look, next time you're in Wichita, hit us up. We're definitely yeah, we'll definitely will do. We'll do. Awesome. Thank you again, guys. Thank you for listening to the Chain Clankers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us from so you never miss another episode.